1: This episode is brought to you by GroCo Postnatal Rehabilitation. Let's be honest, when it comes to postpartum care, the majority of mothers are sent home with nothing more than a peri-bottle and instructions to rest. And what is rest when you've just had a baby? Mothers are left to navigate their recovery entirely on their own without any insight into how pregnancy or labor and delivery will impact their health in the future. It's absolutely insane when you consider that the traditional healthcare system today provides better rehab protocols for sprained ankles than mothers after birth. This is why Dr. Ali Kane created GroCo. The online community features 50 plus workouts streaming 24 7, weekly live workouts, and monthly master classes. Right now, the program is 50% off for lifetime access. And for the Mom Room podcast listeners, you can save an additional 20% with the coupon code MOMROOM. Head on over to GrocoRehab.com and sign up. How you heal now will affect the rest of your life. Check out the episode notes for additional details. Holy crap it is Friday. This was the first week that I didn't have a solo Tuesday episode which is devastating for me but I had a good reason. We were all sick and Milo was home, my husband was home and I was exhausted and it just wasn't doable. As I am recording this right now it is Wednesday evening I might still sound a little bit off because my sinuses are a little bit plugged and that's always the case every single time i get a cold my sinuses are messed up for weeks after even though i feel fine so bear with my frog voice Tuesday's episode is going to be called COVID swabs and apple pie because I'm just going to basically talk about my weekend and my week of, you know, Milo getting his first cold at daycare after quarantine and what that was like for us. Um, We ended up taking him to Emerge because we thought he had strep throat and yeah, it was a pretty stressful few days. So I'm going to chat about that And maybe you're wondering where the apple pie comes in. It's because we went to an apple farm on last Friday. So yeah, I was eating apple pie all weekend. So definitely look out for that episode on Tuesday. Today's episode is with Aurora McCausland. Aurora is from Utah. She is a lifestyle, fashion, and travel blogger. Also a mom to two young super cute boys named Bastion and Rosen. She has a very aesthetically pleasing Instagram account. So definitely check that out at Aurora McCausland. And yeah, she contacted me on Instagram about doing a pod swap. So she has a podcast called Your Best Friends Podcast. So if you go to her podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, anywhere you can listen to them. Uh, If you go to her September 3rd episode, you can listen to my chat with her on her podcast. I loved having this conversation with Aurora because we chatted about all the things that I love to talk about. Um, Things like not wanting visitors after giving birth, uh, postpartum recovery, mom guilt, All the fun stuff. We did talk a lot about quarantine life and how that was a struggle. And just note when we have that conversation, we recorded this on August 24th. So things may have looked a little bit differently in the world than they do now. Uh, But yeah, I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. It's really just a good old fashioned, honest mom chat. So enjoy. So today I'm talking with Aurora McClosend, who is an Instagram mom, a blogger, and she also has a podcast called Your Best Friends Podcast. Hello, Aurora, and thank you for joining me. Hi, thanks so much for having me. To start, I thought we would just get a little bit of an introduction from you. So who you are, a little bit about your family. Uh, and when you started all your social media stuff and how that uh, all came about.
0: Yeah. So I am Aurora. I live in Utah. I have two little boys, um, a three-year-old and a one-year-old and my husband. Yeah, that's, ba- <laughs> that's basically my family. I started social media and all that stuff about four and a half years ago. Um, it's funny. I always tell people this. The reason that I started my career on Instagram was because I'm incredibly competitive and um <laughs> when my husband and I were first married I had like 200 Instagram followers and he had like 700 Instagram followers or something like that and I was like Uh-oh. I'm going to get more Instagram followers than him because I thought that would be fun. Um so I started doing a bunch of research on like how to grow your Instagram following and um surpassed him in about a month I got like 1000 followers and I was like amazing but what if I got more um (laughs) but it really just started from this like stupid competitive place um (laughs) but as my Instagram grew I kind of like I kind of went through a lot of phases I think a lot of people do on Instagram where I was like didn't know what I was doing and I posted just like really shitty photos of all sorts of stuff um And then I had my first baby three and a half years ago and it really turned into like a mom Instagram account and I shared like mostly just pictures of my baby um, until he was about a year old. And then I kind of realized that I didn't want him to be the main focus of my page just for safety reasons just as my page grew. Um, And that's not to say like I have anything against people who do post about their kids all the time on social media. Um, Like that's just a personal decision. Um, Yeah, so it's kind of just evolved into what it is now. I just, I don't really love the label influencer, but that is what I am because it's my full-time job. But yeah, I started a blog at the same time. I actually blogged all through high school, which is super embarrassing now, but (laughs) that blog does not, exists anymore. I mean, it probably exists somewhere on the internet because it was just on like blog spot. So <laughs> those never die. But um, yeah. And then I started a podcast about a year and a half ago, a little bit over that. And that honestly has turned into my favorite form of like my favorite medium. Like I love getting to talk to new people. It's such an easy way to connect with new people. And I feel like I
1: And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. I can't believe you've been doing it for that long. I just, I think I released my first episode July 1st of this year. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so awesome. And it's like, you want to have all these people on as guests, but you're like, well, I have to tell myself like, Renee, you need to edit these episodes now and actually put Mm -hmm. them out. Right. So like, I'm trying to like kind of balance, like how I'm scheduling people because like, I'll just talk to people all day, every day. And then I have way too many episodes. (laughs)
0: Yeah, well, I think it's impressive that you release two a week. Yes. Like I, I feel like I barely hang on. I mean, my husband does all of my editing for me. Wow. And so if I had to do my editing, it would be like a different story. But I feel like I barely like can handle doing one episode a week on Wednesday. I'm like, oh, hey, um, I forgot that we have an episode coming up tomorrow. Can you edit it and get like, <laughs> Yeah. So I think it's so impressive
1: that you do two a week. Yeah, oh, thanks. I'm going to try and keep it up. So far, it's it's working, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, So you have two little boys, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. did you have vaginal births or did you have C-sections? And what kind of was your experience with um, recovery postpartum?
0: Yeah. So um, they were both vaginal births. And- Honestly, I think the hardest thing was just, I mean, no one really tells you about what postpartum recovery is like. And so the first, my first labor was a lot more rough than my second one. My second one was a breeze compared to my first one. Um, When I was pregnant with my first, his name is Bastion. I was in prodromal labor for three weeks with him. Um, what is that? So it's kind of where you have early labor. That's like before it's active, right? I can't even think of the word for it right now. Yeah. So you have like those early labor. So kind of like Braxton Hicks, but like, so basically Braxton Hicks for like three weeks straight, constantly having contractions. And I went into active labor three times, um, over the course of those three weeks before he was actually born. Um, so that really sucked. And so the first time was actually on April 1st, which (laughs) was stupid. I was like I was like 37 weeks pregnant or 38 weeks pregnant and I we were out we were walking around because I was like I'm going to get this baby out of me and um and I started having contractions and I was like oh my god this is it and so we went home and like you know tried to you know ride it out see like how it would go I ended up dilating to a 5 and then stalling and my contractions stopped And yeah. And then the same thing
1: happened the next week. And I just stayed at a five the entire time. What? I didn't know this was possible. Like I didn't know you could go into active labor and then stop. Yes. I always tell people because
0: people will be like, oh, I went to my like appointment and I'm like two centimeters dilated. So I'm going to go into labor any day. And I'm like, um, not actually accurate. Like you can go up to a five and it has no indication of how soon you'll go into labor. It's just it's more of an indication of like how fast your labor will go from what I've been told. Right. Yeah. So then when I actually did go into labor with him on his birthday, um, I was in labor for 12 hours, which isn't too bad considering both of my older sisters have had babies. And um, both of their first babies, they were in labor for over 48 hours, like active labor. Oh. And so oh. and they both had like really traumatic birth experiences. So I was anticipating like over 24 hours, like at least. So I was very surprised and pleased that it was only 12 hours, but because of how it was just a very intense experience. And so I ended up getting like some pretty serious nerve damage in one of my legs. that I still can't feel um, from that And I just had no idea, like, that was possible. I had no idea how much it hurt, how you couldn't walk afterwards. Like, I guess I just assumed that you pushed the baby out and then you just weren't pregnant anymore and, like, life went back to normal. Right. And, like, no one tells you about, like, the cramps you get every single time you nurse for, like, days and, like, the bleeding, so much bleeding and... Just no one tells you about any of that. And so that was definitely the hardest was just not even so much the act of all of those things, but just getting used to it, like realizing like, oh, I have to stay in bed. Like I can't get up and move around.
1: Yes, that I found that so frustrating when I had Milo because you have this new little baby that it's your job to take care of them, but it's hard for you to move. So I remember being so frustrated Sitting on the couch or laying back in bed and, you know, he would start to cry in his bassinet or something. And like I could barely scooch my bum on the bed to like get my feet on the floor to stand up. Yeah. It was so frustrating. Yeah. And one thing I know you mentioned the bleeding, which, yes, is crazy and nobody talks about that. For me, it was the swelling, like the mm-hmm. swelling from pushing so much mm-hmm. and like the overall your body just feeling like you got hit by a truck because yes. you push so hard. <laughs> yes.
0: Horrible. Yes. I told my husband I was sore in places I didn't even know I could be sore. Like when I was pushing, I would strain a lot in my neck yes! and my jaw. And so I felt like I had been like there were weights on my neck for like days and days because it was so tense. And that was just not something I would have guessed. Like I was so surprised by that.
1: Yeah. And same with the the legs. People always say, you know, they expected, like you were saying, to the next day just be able to walk around. But their mm-hmm. legs are so um, exhausted that mm-hmm. it's like they can barely walk. Yeah. So, yes. This is why I like asking this question because – I like people to just hear other people's experiences uh, because people don't talk about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, Was there anything you didn't expect maybe in those first few weeks uh, postpartum with regard to like emotionally or um, like anxiety or depression, anything like that? Yes. So
0: I actually um, have pretty bad anxiety non-pregnancy related. (laughs) And so I was shocked at how quickly... Um, like my anxiety was heightened by having a baby. Like I was waking up constantly all night long to check on his breathing, to make sure he was alive. Like I was, it was just so difficult, like having that transition to being responsible for another human being and having that anxiety like blanketed over him as well. Um, And I did postpartum depression set in really quickly for me too, which was a surprise because I, you know, he's born. And for that first like week, like even though you're in pain and it kind of sucks physically, emotionally for me, it was the best. Like you're it's blissful, like even though you're not getting any sleep and there are so many other things, you're just so like, you're soaking up this new baby. And it's just, at least for me, like that first week is just so wonderful. Like, even though it's really hard, like that's one of my favorite weeks (laughs) of being a mother. (laughs) but I think around like three weeks is when with my first that the postpartum depression started. And I remember being so confused. I remember, I think it was, I don't know why. Again, it's just not something people really talk about. I expected my body to just like bounce back, um, which it doesn't need to your body is worthy in all forms. But I, and my mom had prepared me for that. She was like, look, when I had my first baby, I brought, like my pre pregnancy jeans to the hospital with me to wear home. And because her mom had been able to, like, was her mom's really skinny. And so she had been able to naturally just like fit into her pre pregnancy clothes, which is an anomaly. Like that just doesn't happen. Oh, wow. And so my mom had prepared me for that. And so I was used to it. Like those first few weeks, I was like, yeah, this is what my body looks like. It's kind of squishy, but like I just had a baby. That's fine. um But about three weeks in, I was like, okay. When, when will this be over? Like I, you know, just that. And then also, I don't know. I mean, just chemically things just start to be weird. And, um, my mother-in-law started giving me a bunch of suggestions that I didn't ask for or want. And it made me feel like a really bad mom. Like she really wanted me to co-sleep. And I told her I wasn't comfortable with that. And she made me feel really bad because I wasn't co-sleeping and things like that. Just, and I don't think she meant to, you know, we talked about this yeah. on my podcast, how people just project their ideas of parenthood on. And if you do it differently, it's like horrible. And so, um, yeah, just all of that got to, got to me and I started to be really depressed and Um, So, yeah, that was definitely a very difficult part of recovery was coming to terms with the fact that even though I was experiencing this wonderful thing that I'd wanted for so long, I could still be like incredibly depressed through it all.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of the mind fuck, right, is like you should you think like I should feel this way, but I'm not. So it makes me feel even worse now because, you know, you have these expectations of pure bliss and everything's going to be perfect and amazing. And, and then as soon as you start to, you know, you have anxiety, you have like low mood, you're like, what is wrong with me? I should be, you know, on top of the world, but yeah, it's, it's just not the case. Like these are major life transitions. So all these feelings and emotions are totally normal. Um, when you brought your babies home, I talk a lot about how I didn't want visitors for a few weeks after bringing home Milo um except for like my mom and my sister. Mm-hmm. Um but what was your experience with that? Did you have visitors in and out of your house or were you kind of keeping to yourself? So I actually had my babies at
0: home. Oh wow. Um, so there was no bringing them home. Yeah, so I had home births with both of them. Um but I didn't really want visitors and it's kind of hard because I think a lot of people, they get so excited. They're in your life. They've like watched your entire pregnancy. And so they're really excited. Um, And so, I mean, there were a few visitors that I did not mind. Like my, so with my first pregnancy, um, I was really, really sick throughout my pregnancy. I have hyperemesis. And so um, my mom came up to stay with me the last three weeks of my pregnancy because we weren't sure if I was going to deliver early which we, I didn't. <laughs> um, but I had to stop taking my medication for my nausea. And my midwife was really concerned that because of the force that I would vomit with, <laughs> that I would um, break my water um, prematurely. Oh. And So my mom came up to stay with me to kind of just take care of me those last few weeks that I was pregnant. And she ended up staying with me for an entire month. And so she went home the day after my baby was born because she'd been gone for an entire month. Um, So she was there. And then I had a sister that lived in town that came to visit. um, And then my mother-in-law came up and visited. And um, I didn't love my mother-in-law being there with my first. And I mean, it was my first. I didn't really know like what I was doing. And I thought it would be really helpful and it turned out not to be. She stayed with us for about a week. Um, other than that, we I was very picky with who – like I had my best friend came and like saw him the next day, which I was fine with. Um, but a lot of family members that I wasn't particularly close to expected to be able to come over. They would be like, oh, I'm going to come see your baby. And I, have a, I had a really hard time saying no. And so I would let them. But the entire time I would have anxiety and I like didn't want them to hold my baby. And I was so just – like it was not an enjoyable time. And the second time around, I did not. Like if people wanted to come over, I'd be like, I was like, no, if you want to help out with me, like if you want to help, then like bring me food. Yeah, exactly. But I want to cuddle my baby. Like you can look at him from afar, but like I really don't want visitors. So if you want to come help me, I'm fine with that. Um, And the second time around, my mother-in-law still insisted on coming. And it was a very uncomfortable experience where it felt more like she was just like taking a a vacation at my house where like she kind of just hung out by herself in her room. And I still like did all of my own because she came like two weeks after he was born. So I was like at that point walking around doing stuff. And it was like a really uncomfortable experience where I kept like texting my husband at work and like crying and being like, your mom is just like, I feel like I can't do anything. And I feel like she's judging me because both of my kids are crying and she's like, tell my mom to help. And I'm like, your mom should just be helping.
1: (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. Simplify your kid's mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. hard before I had Milo I expected because that's just what people do nowadays is like you just have all these Mm -hmm. visitors over when you have a baby that's just what's expected yeah and people expect to be able to go see the baby and it's as soon as I brought him home I was like wow I don't want anybody here except for like people that I'm insanely comfortable with that I can like you know take my top off and breastfeed and pump exactly you know I it's so hard to and then alternatively cuz then people when you say that because this was another hot topic on on TikTok people hated my TikTok about not wanting visitors and like suggesting how people can help new moms instead like by bringing food or you know so yeah. they hated that like this is one of those controversial topics which should not be controversial at all yeah but um I was lucky that my mom was kind of like the gatekeeper and she just told my family and everyone understood, like, that's fine. Um, Like, she doesn't want visitors. Okay. But then what happened was people assumed that I was having a difficult time because Mm -hmm. I didn't want visitors. And it was like, no, 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 no. I wasn't having a difficult time. I just didn't want visitors. Like, I think it's normal for us. Like our bodies are healing. We're emotionally like going through a lot. It's a huge life change. I think it's pretty normal to want to like nest and, take care of your baby, figure out all this stuff on your own without, you know, having people in the house. And then people say, well, why don't you just have visitors then when your baby's sleeping or when you're not breastfeeding? And it's like, because I want to binge Netflix when he's sleeping or I want to be sleeping myself. I don't want to be entertaining guests. Like, no, thank you.
0: Well, and that's the whole point of it is that you don't want to be entertaining. And even if they come over under the premise of helping, you're still entertaining. You're still being a hostess and that's just not what you want right after you push a human out of you.
1: Exactly. I want to go lay in my bed and that's it. And I want to lay topless on without <laughs> no pants on, like with like airing out my vagina that's like busted Absolutely. up like this is what I want to do. Okay. So no, no visitors. <laughs> yes. What was your so another hot topic. I love this cuz we're getting into all these topics. Um what was your breastfeeding journey like? Like what was that like for you? Cuz I've been hearing so many people's stories so I'm just curious.
0: Yeah, so it's been very different with both of my babies. With my first one, um he had a little bit of a hard time latching at first and of course I felt like a failure. I mean not like a super hard time latching. Like I got him to latch after like a few hours. Um but I had like a really difficult time for the first few days where he, we like had a little bit of a, like difficult connection and he didn't really want a nurse. But then after that, I exclusively breastfed him until he was about 13 months is when we started to wean him. So he turned one and I kind of was like, I think I'm done. Um, and I got a lot of pushback on that because both my mom and my husband's mom, both like breastfed their kids until they were like two or older. And so they were like, you should keep breastfeeding. It's so good for them. And I'm like, yeah, but like, I feel done. Like I'm ready to have my body back. And like, I mean, not that, you know what I mean? Like to have it be just totally. like, I'm no longer sustaining this baby from my body.
1: Yeah. And it's like, gives them a little bit of independence and you have independence. Yes. And I think it's interesting that you said you got pushback for feeding longer because a lot of women have the experience of like the opposite where family members are like, okay, like, are you going to wean this baby like soon? Mm-hmm. Like, this is getting awkward, you know? And it's like, it's not yeah, exactly fucking
0: business. Like- exactly. It's my body. It's my relationship with my baby. It's not weird. I just, I'm going to breastfeed how I want. Um, yeah. But then with my second, so with Rosen, he is almost one now, but we stopped breastfeeding about six months ago because he uh, lost interest and it was really sad and it was really rough for me because um, I guess I just expected him to, you know, want to breastfeed the same, he, um, he was a lot easier at first. He latched immediately. Like he came out and within five minutes was nursing. Like it was wonderful. It was beautiful. We had a super good connection. And we went to his pediatrician when he was, I think four months old. And he was like, look, I'm a little bit concerned because he's so skinny. And like my husband and I are both skinny. My other son is skinny. So he's like, I'm not super concerned, but like he had gone down in the growth charts. And so he was like, so I want to like, you know, take a look at his eating habits. And like, we had just started him on some solids. And he was like, so that's also kind of concerning that even though he's having some solids, like he's not gaining weight. You know, it's so hard to like tell how much your baby's eating though, when he's breastfed. And pumping also isn't a good indication of how much you're producing. And so that's just frustrating. So I ended up... Um, trying to pump in between feedings so I could offer him like he would finish nursing and then I would give him a bottle with um, like what I'd pumped. And I ran out of breast milk, like so fast because I couldn't pump to like keep up with that. And he was very obviously hungry still. And so we started we started supplementing with formula and we had a little bit of a hard time getting him to take it but as soon as he started drinking it he kind of just lost interest in breastfeeding which is pretty normal because unless everyone is feeding him Mm. they can just get it so much faster from the bottle unless you're being really careful with pace feeding this wasn't because again we'd given a bottle to my first baby and he never had problems like switching between the two and so I just assumed it would be the same Um, and so I wasn't careful like pace feeding with him and so he just developed a bottle preference um, I want to say we so he just slowly stopped breastfeeding throughout the day until at around six months he just completely like one morning I fed him I nursed him when he woke up and that was the last time he ever wow crazy and they're both doing well I'm assuming yeah yeah they're both doing well he chunked up immediately we went in for a six-month appointment and our pediatrician was like wow (laughs) he was like whatever like he's like he's doing great he like jumped up in the growth charts I mean, he's still – my kids are still considered, like, relatively small. They're both around, like – he's around, like, the 50 percentile. Um, but he
1: was like, this is great. Keep keep feeding him how you're feeding him. So you live in Utah, and I was curious about what the COVID situation is like where you live. So it it sucks
0: here. <laughs> the thing about living in the U.S. is that no one has taken this seriously – and especially in Utah um, has had some of the most relaxed um, regulations. Like we never even went into full lockdown. Like, oh uh, yeah. So no one's taken it seriously here. Uh, there isn't a mask mandate anywhere but in one county. And it wasn't put into effect until like, I want to say like two months ago. So like during the worst of it, there was never – like really any strict regulations. And so we have some of the highest cases in the country. (laughs) And yeah, and so nothing's really, um, things are still pretty bad here. So we don't, we have
1: still, like we still like rarely go do stuff. Um, uh, Yeah. (laughs) I guess like for us here, everything shut down, like everything. So for us now, stuff is starting to reopen and be a little bit more normal, but you have to wear masks everywhere you go. So it's a, and like social distancing in the grocery stores, there's like stickers and signs everywhere. Like you have to go down the aisles on a certain way. It's very odd. It's like, we're living in a movie. So now stuff's starting to open up, but there did, did stuff ever close down?
0: Yeah. So a lot of stuff did close down and they did implement all of those like social distancing in the grocery stores and things like that. But the thing is that most people here just don't um, follow it. Like, uh, so the grocery store that I go to, has a mask mandate even though it's not like statewide and every once in a while someone will come in and they have to like chase them down and be like you have to wear a mask or you have to leave um but utah is a very conservative state and so a lot of the conservatives here think that it's a hoax so they don't hmm. um have the human decency to wear a mask for other people <laughs> um and so so yeah, so a lot of things did shut down. There were a lot of things that were promising in the sense that like things were set up in such a way that things should have resolved a lot quicker, but because most of the people that live here don't want to follow those regulations, um, we're still, I mean, things are starting to apparently get a little bit better, but it's still not, uh, very safe.
1: (laughs) Jeez. That's yeah. Cause a lot of people, you know, when I when we sent Milo back to daycare, people were like, outraged because of covid and i was like yeah but like we're not in the states like we're we're outside of toronto and the numbers here are low so yeah we had to kind of like weigh Mm -hmm. the pros and cons but i can see where you know, living in a place where people aren't taking it seriously and there's still high numbers, like it, I probably wouldn't send Milo to daycare in that case. Yeah, no. <laughs> what have you found to be the most difficult part of quarantine for for you? Um,
0: The hardest thing is just, I mean, I think quarantine's hard for anyone, kids are not, but it's really difficult when you're cooped up in one spot with young children. And I think, something that's really important being a parent, especially if you do stay at home with them, is getting time away from them and getting time to like work on yourself and just not be with your kids. And so that's been something that's been hard because even when I have opportunities to be alone from my children, there's not really anything to do. So it's like, okay, well, I have this hour that I could go do something, but like the only things that I feel safe doing are like, running to the grocery store because I have to, or, you know, I guess like I could go on a walk or something like that, but I can't, all the things that I used to do to get alone time before COVID, um, I don't feel comfortable doing anymore, like going to yoga or the gym or like meeting up with a friend or going to get coffee. Like those are things that I can't really do unless I just want to go sit in my car, which I have done. (laughs) Um, so that's been hard. And also just noticing how it affects my kids because I mean, my youngest, doesn't really care. Um, you know, he's one almost, but my three-year-old definitely has had a harder time. Um, you know, he wants to play with friends. He wants to see other people and he's done pretty well with COVID. Like we've explained to him that he always wears his mask. He's super good about that. And we've just explained to him, you know, there's a lot of people are getting sick and we have to be respectful and like careful and all of that stuff. And so he, as well as a three-year-old can, I think understands that, but He has definitely his social, like the social aspect of his life has gotten stunted because he is not interacting with other people his age. And that is something that's been really hard.
1: Right. I felt so bad because Milo went from, you know, full time in daycare where he had all his friends and like a routine going. And then I was like, oh my God, he must be so bored at home with me. And no matter how hard I try to like make activities fun and, but it was, also difficult because yeah you're stuck at home and you know I can only play in the yard so much and like chase him around and the parks were closed you couldn't go to the parks and I had the same experience as you with regard to you know wanting to get a break and get out of the house and my husband would be like okay I'm home this weekend like you have the whole day like go do what you want to do and in my mind I'm like what the fuck am I gonna go do there's nothing to do and then if I try and do something, because at that time I was like, I just want to work on my podcast. I want to work on this. I want to have a bath. But that would mean me working in the house. And it's so hard for me to like separate being a mom mm-hmm. when I'm in the house. It's, it's hard. I can't just like hold myself up in like my office and not acknowledge what's going on around me. So yeah, that was super difficult for me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, kind of related. I talk a lot about mom guilt on social media. Um, it seems to be a popular topic that everyone, to some degree, experiences. What is your experience with feelings of mom guilt? And are there any situations that you can think of where you know it triggers guilt in you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think every parent experiences guilt, um, and I am definitely not immune to that. I feel guilty all the time. <laughs> um, and it's hard because it's something that I've really been trying to work on is so like a few weeks ago, my husband um, took me on like a little staycation where we went to like a little Airbnb um, like overnight. We were gone less than 24 hours and I was so excited and I felt guilty about how I was to be away from my kids. And I felt yeah, um, like he came home from work and was like, hey, you know what? We're going to go. He's like, surprise, we're going to you know, it was like an hour away. And he was like, but if you don't feel comfortable with that because of COVID and like leaving the kids, um, we could just go get dinner and like stay out late and then come back. And I felt so guilty telling him like, no, I want to go somewhere overnight because I wanted to sleep in. And I wanted to have that much time without my kids because you know, the babysitter wasn't coming over until they were in bed anyway. And so I was like, it's not really that much time away from my kids. If I'm just going to sleep later. Um, but I felt so guilty about wanting to have that time away from my kids. And yeah, I I mean, I feel guilty going to the gym. I feel guilty. I mean, it's weird. I This is something that I've really been working on and I experienced less, but I often feel really guilty just having my husband hang out with the kids while I like work or like doing housework while my kids are awake I feel guilty about screen time. Like there's just so many aspects of being a parent that there's so much guilt attached to it. And I think so much of it stems from the expectations of others that other moms say, Oh, I never want to be without my kids. And then you're like, Great, I'm a shitty mom because my kids are driving me up the fucking wall and I want to die a little bit because I just can't handle them anymore. <laughs> yeah. And true. you know, and I think you feel guilty because um, I mean, this is something I don't think my mom ever meant to you know, say things that would be really damaging to my idea of being a mother. But she, my mom had a lot of kids, like a lot of kids. And so the house is always a mess. And I think something that she said kind of just to make herself feel better, um, to justify the fact that the house is always a mess, which you don't have to justify. It's your house. Do whatever you want. Um, but she would always say, I choose to spend my time with my kids instead of keeping my house clean. And so As a mom who really enjoys having a clean house and that's something I prioritize, I always feel guilty spending time while my kids are awake cleaning the house because I feel like if I was a good mom, I would be playing with my kids instead of doing the dishes or trying to keep things clean. And I don't have to feel guilty because what really matters is that I'm being a good mom and that also I'm keeping my mental health in a place where I can continue to be a good mom. Because if my house is messy, I know that I'm a shitty mom. And so- I know that taking half an hour to make sure that the kitchen's clean will will make me a better mom and make yep. the entire experience for the whole family just better.
1: Yeah. It just boils down to what is someone else's priority is not going to be everyone's priority. And that's just the way it is. But yes, I understand and I totally relate to like in quarantine, anytime I would do anything that wasn't me like directly interacting with Milo, I would feel guilt. And it's not like this overwhelming guilt sensation, but it's just this like nagging feeling like, Renee, you should be talking to Milo. You should be working on words. You should be reading him some books. Like instead of doing the dishes or whatever I was doing, And it was like, oh, this is so stupid. And the worst part is that even though rationally you know that it's fine, like you still can't shake the feeling. It's just like, it's just never ending. But yeah, at least we, at least we recognize it and we recognize it as bullshit. So that's good. (laughs) Obviously you find doing things for yourself and your social media important. So how do you balance getting that stuff done while being a mom?
0: Um, I, it's definitely something I struggle with a lot because I do have a lot of goals and things that are really important to me. And I also want to make sure that I'm present for my kids. And so something that I, I'm also a little bit of like workaholic i like to be busy i have to-do lists that are miles long every single day and i know i won't get all of them done and so something that's really helped me to balance my goals are to the first thing is to like kind of be a little bit more realistic with myself so instead of writing down 17 things i want to do in a day that i know i maybe could do if i didn't have kids but with kids (laughs) i just know isn't possible um i try to write like three things three main things that I know I need to get done that day. And those are the only three things I focus on. And if I get other things done, that's great. Obviously the more productive I am, the better I feel, but being a little bit more realistic with my goals, because then I don't feel shitty when I don't get stuff done, because I know that if I have 17 things on my list and I don't get them done, I will feel like shit. But if I have three things on my list and I get them done, I'm going to feel a lot better, even though I got less done than I would have if I had more things on my list. Um, So that's been really important to me, just kind of be more realistic with myself. And then also just learning to accept help, learning that I can tell my husband I need him to help out or like that I need him to, you know, take the kids for X amount of times because I need to get these things done without distractions. I think that's been really helpful. It's just I'm also someone who I think a lot of parents relate to this. I just have a really hard time accepting that help or, you know, telling my husband that I need him to obviously he's always willing to do those things, but it obviously just falls on the mom. And so it's difficult for me to be like, hey, I need you to, like, I'm just going to go in the other room and I need you to, to take over. <laughs> and it's hard to
1: to say that. It's fine. Like, I feel the exact same way. And it's it's because, and I was going to mention or ask you about this, it's when you're mm-hmm. the default parent in your relationship, it's hard to just like, Like, my husband can come home and he can, you know, like, just walk off and go in the garage and start, like, organizing the recycling and stuff without even Mm -hmm. saying anything. But I feel like I can't do that because I'm technically, like, the default parent. Like, I'm the one that's always kind of looking over milo and seeing what he's doing and i if i wanted to go do something like that i need to like announce that i'm going to be leaving to go do something <laughs> and like yeah so i'm going to do this and you have to watch milo okay like whereas really if i just got up and left he would just automatically start watching milo and it's not a big deal but when you're the default parent, you have this mentality and it's it's hard to just go about doing what you need to do without like announcing it and making sure that the other person knows yeah. that you're going to be leaving. So I totally relate to that. So last question, which is kind of a fun one. If you had 24 hours to be alone to do whatever you wanted, what would you do? I would definitely sleep.
0: <laughs> um, I would I would sleep in. I mean, I think I have this internal clock because my kids always wake up early that like even like when my husband and I took that little weekend away or 20 hours away, my brain still woke me up at like 615. But I like forced myself to get back in bed and like lay down. And I ended up sleeping until like nine. And it was so blissful. I got so much sleep. But I also think I would honestly like to just do normal human things without a child around. Like I don't necessarily want to do a bunch of stuff. It would more just be like, I would just want to spend time by myself. Um, And even if that's just at home, like reading a book or taking a bath or scrolling TikTok on my phone without a toddler and a baby around. And I know that's pretty lame, but I want to be alone. Like that's really, that's really like- (laughs) The ultimate
1: fantasy is just being alone. (laughs) I totally agree. And it's because when you're so used to being home with a child or children, it's like that's what you're dreaming of all day. It's like, yes, uh, imagine I just had this whole afternoon to myself. Like I could, yeah, Mm -hmm. watch TikTok, read a book, like just do casual things and not have to worry about keeping other humans alive. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. To wrap up, I will just get you to tell everyone where they can find you and about your podcast.
0: Yeah. So you can find me on social media. I'm just at Aurora McCausland. And my last name is spelled M-C-C-A-U-S-L-A-N-D. It's kind of hard. Um, But that's where I am on Instagram and TikTok. And um, that's also my website. And then my podcast is your best friend's podcast um you can listen to that anywhere you listen to podcasts and also i have a an instagram account for that it's just your best friend's podcast
1: awesome well thank you so much for talking to us the end That is it for today's podcast, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. This is how it keeps me up in the top charts, which is where I would like to stay. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at the.mom.room. My website is renearena.com. I have a whole bunch of blogs about all these kinds of topics that I love to chat about and write about. I also have a mom room community through Patreon. If you go to www.patreon.com slash themomroom, you can sign up for that. We have live Zoom chats every two weeks. We also have a private Instagram account and a private Facebook group. And finally, since it is now October, which is crazy, I thought I would let you all know that the Mom Room Book Club book is... Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. So we do one book per month. You can join our book club at the.mom.room.bookclub on Instagram. And we also release one podcast episode um, after each month where me and Jen, our president of the book club, chat about the book. And I will share stuff on the Instagram account from the authors. I'll have, you know, like guided questions. I'll ask you guys for your uh, thoughts and input. Uh, So yeah, if you are a small business or maybe even a big business and you want ad space on the mom room podcast, you can email me and yeah, I can let you know how that works and send you some information. Thank you guys again so much for listening. I hope everybody is staying safe and healthy and that your children sleep tonight.